this church. I was heavily involved to the point where I thought my life would literally be over if I ever left. You're listening to The Bee Podcast. Be encouraged, learn new things, and feel understood. Now here's your host, Sage Lally. Hey you, and welcome to The Bee Podcast Season 5. I have so many incredible guests planned for this season, starting with my good friend, Isabel McCauley. Isabel is a New Yorker working in tech, children's nonprofit, and the arts. A self-proclaimed serial inviter, she loves to create communities where people can be themselves. This is what both drew her into and out of a large evangelical church in New York City. Listen to her story here. Hello, Isabel. How are you? Hi, Sage. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So before we get started, I would love if you could tell me a bit more about who you are and what you do. Cool. Hi, everybody. I am Isabel. I um, live in New York City and I um, work several jobs, one of which is um, adjacent to children's ministry within the Christian faith. Um, I sell curriculum to churches. I don't know if you knew that, Sage. Um, And it's kind of cool because it really to what we're going to talk about today. I I went to school in New York City, and so I moved here in 2014, um, which is seven years ago now. Um, And pretty quickly when I came to school, I went to a Christian college and came from a Christian background. Um, I knew I wanted to find a church in New York City, and I found this church, which I will not name in today's podcast, um, but I found it within that fall um, when it was about a year old, and it was a really cool uh, vibe at this church. There's a lot of young people, and they were very welcoming to me. And I remember at college, um, I, everybody is so insecure in college, and so I remember walking in thinking, like, everybody's going to think I'm great, and no one really cared about me. <laughs> um, but then I went into this church, and everybody was like, wow, who are you? You're beautiful. You're talented. We'd love to work with you. We'd love you to come to our uh, small group on Wednesday. And like right away was like enveloped into this community. And of course that felt really good. And I think that's a lot of people's experience with communities like this um, is that like it just feels really good, which is probably why I was there for so long. Um, so fast forward six years later, June of 2020. Um, which was a really hard time for a lot of people. I um, had progressed to being on staff at this church. I was heavily involved and um, to the point where I thought my life would literally be over if I ever left. And uh, lo and behold, I did leave. And so I think what I want to talk about today is communities of belonging and sort of like rebuilding your life when you leave one of those, um, slash like ways to protect your autonomy within these types of communities, because it's really easy to lose yourself in that sort of welcoming, happy, feel good environment. Can you tell me a bit more about that and how it happened and what it felt like? (sighs) Yeah, it's hard because I think that these you know, cults, which I I still struggle to call this a cult, but communities like this and cults um, are really attractive to someone who may 
maybe comes in with family trauma or previous trauma and doesn't really trust themselves because right away you're given like a roadmap to life and it feels really good. And so just quick background on me. I, my mother died as when I was 10 and when my first year here in school, my father and my stepmother had like a really messy divorce. And so I was in New York city in college, coming from Virginia, um, really heartbroken and really confused about who my dad was and who my family was. My whole family kind of split in two when this divorce happened. And coming into this community, it was like, we've got you. We're your new family. And that was so compelling to me. Um, And because I was so confused about the world, my dad had told me what's right and wrong. And then he had an affair. And I was like, wait, you're supposed to be right and you're wrong. And everything was kind of flipped upside down. That when the church told me, you know, this is how we want you to date. This is how you need, you know, you need to attend church every single week. And you need to encourage all of your friends to attend church no matter what's going through their life. And just a lot of rules, some of them outright stated like that, and some of them are really implicit. Um, I abandoned sort of my own convictions because I was so confused about all of those and had been so wrecked by my past, et cetera, that, and I just adopted kind of whatever they gave to me. Um, And so, you know, I said it was like a quick deterioration, but it also was something that happened gradually in the year of 2020, because I remember um, the church is all about like taking notes on the sermons. And for basically like January to June of 2020, I was taking notes and I had this like feeling inside of me. And I remember thinking like, this must be my sin. This must be something bad in me that's like fighting against the what's being preached right now. And I kept thinking like, okay, later I'm going to like get on my knees and pray and God's going to work that out. But what I realized now is it was this, it was this like tiny fight within me to be an autonomous human and to think the ways that I think that were different from our very authoritative pastors who kind of like set all of the rules and all of the um, doctrine for the entire church. Like I had this fight within me that was like stirring that whole year, that whole spring into summer. And, um, and that was my autonomy coming back. That was me saying without knowing it, like, wait, this doesn't feel right. Like, wait, I have uh, convictions of my own that are different than this. All right. I feel like we need to talk about why you left. I want to know like what, led up to you leaving, why you left, and then what the actual experience of saying I'm leaving was like. COVID happened, and I was tasked with bringing all of the kids' ministry online. Um, It was just like a big old mess, and I had never done something like this before. And I was like up for the task, but also just incredibly stressed out. Um, I lost one of my jobs that paid my rent, and I was like just really underwater financially. Um, had come to the church and said, hey, I'm working 35 hours a week and you're paying me for like not that. Um, Can you please pay me more? And it was like this really long, painful conversation that felt very like gaslighting where it was like, you have needs and I can tell you want the church to meet those needs, but like only God can meet those needs. And like, I'm going to pray for you that you get more babysitting opportunities. These are all word for word pulled from that conversation. And I 
felt so ashamed for having asked. She was like, you should see what other people do. They pull all nighters and they're not making any more money. Like we have really talented video editors that are giving us their talent. And like, what are you doing? Like kind of like, "Mm." and I'm like, oh, like, I'm so sorry I asked. I'm so embarrassed. And I even, like, I cried. And at the end of the conversation, she's like, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I shouldn't have asked. Um, my, all my friends were, like, pissed about this. So I'm I'm really stressed. Things are, like, I, I started to experience, like, trigger warning for everyone, but I started to experience, like, suicidal ideation and, like, telling the guy I was talking to, like, I just, like, it would be better if I just, like, wasn't here because obviously being here, I have so much that I'm trying to juggle and this is really impossible. I started going to therapy for this reason. And my therapist was like, hmm, do you think you're supposed to be in ministry? And I was like, how dare you? And he's like, I just want you to consider it because it seems like you're a young girl and you have a lot of stuff ahead of you and, and you're way too stressed out about church and you're 24. So like, what are you doing? We're 23. So, um, what really everything came to head in May, which is keep in mind like during the like George Floyd's death was at the end of May um like Black Lives Matter protests happening around the world um just a lot of important conversations are coming up in our society but they came out with a leadership document which I knew was in the works um and the purpose of the leadership document originally was we want um everyone who serves or who volunteers at our church to know that they have to come to our big events that we have because we had really low attendance for our events. And so they were like, we need to put something in writing so that anytime someone becomes a volunteer, they sign this and then we can hold them accountable to attend all of our events, which by the way, you have to buy tickets to. It's not free, even if you're serving um, like 80, $100 tickets sometimes. So, um, And so they're like, but we need to make sure everyone's doing that. Like if you're going to call yourself a leader, you need to come to all of the events. Um you know, barring any emergencies or whatever. So that's why I knew like, okay, there's this leadership document that the staff is making. And I had this sort of pit in my stomach about it because I knew the summer prior, the website had been really discreetly updated. And we added like a ninth um, value or belief to our state of beliefs that said like, marriage is a sacred something by God. um, And or sex, I don't know, something like sex is for marriage and it's between a man and a woman. And I hated that. Um, and, and there's some backstory I can offer on that too. But what I did know is that the staff didn't talk about it. Like nobody was making a big deal about it on staff. So for me, it felt like, okay, they had to put that there, but like none of us really are going to enforce that or think that or like, I don't know. I like. I just knew like I have so many gay friends, and I would never be like marriage is between a man and a woman, or like sex is for marriage. But like that's just crazy. So I, I hadn't made a big deal, but I had this sort of like stirring sickness about it since it had become on the website, and I had this feeling, um, knowing the kind of nature of our pastors and the convictions of our pastors, that if this leadership document is coming out, that it was going to include all of the the leadership values in it. So um, when it came out, it did say like you're signing the statement of beliefs. And um, I got a call from, you know, my oversight saying, hey, so you know, this leadership document came out. I I still hadn't signed it, but I hadn't really told anyone I hadn't signed it yet. She's like, "Um, 
I've made a list of the queer people on who are serving as volunteers on kids team. And I, I'm going to have you call each of them to let them know, hey, kids team is a leadership um, job. So you can go be on welcome team, but, or something else, but you can't, this is all online, by the way, like what these people are doing is showing up on Sundays to a zoom that I've created to interact with kids and just like be a freaking sweetheart. Like that's what these people are doing. Um, some of them are what I would call high capacity volunteers who were unemployed and were literally spending six to 10 hours a week with me creating online content and scheduling things and like helping me out. Um, and they were queer and I knew that and I loved them for it, but I was told I was going to have to call them and tell them they can't be on my team anymore. They can't volunteer on my team anymore because of their sexual identity and that, like peace. And I was like, no, I absolutely am not going to do that. I'm also don't think I'm going to sign the document. And she was like, oh, okay. You should talk to our pastors about that. And that was on like a Thursday. And then the following Tuesday, we have a staff meeting and we're all on a Zoom call together. And um, one of the things I had mentioned in a previous conversation to my leader was, I think in five years, this church is going to be an affirming church for gay people. Like, I believed that. So in this staff meeting call, our lead pastor says, I've heard that some of our staff members think that in five years, we're going to be an inclusive or a affirming community. So she's she straight up heard about my conversation, is calling me out in front of all of these people that at the time I consider like my heroes and like the the most important people in the world. She's like, so I need right now everyone to know we stand on the unchanging word of God. The Bible is clear. Like this is not right, which I have so many thoughts on, but, um, and like, we're not going to change. Like this is, this is where we stand and that's just it. And so she offered like a, anybody, if you have a dissenting opinion or something you want to bring up, like now is the time in this Zoom call of what, like 16 people. And I waited until that call was over and I just called her personally um, and burst into tears and shared. I just said, like, I can't, uh, I don't think I can be on your staff because I can't sign the document. I don't believe what you said about marriage. Um, and I'm not, if like, as long as you weren't drawing a line in the sand, I thought I could like get away with it. But now that you are like, I'm not going to be on the same side as you as this. And they were like, you know, they brought up a lot of really interesting, uh, slippery slope arguments of like, what do you think about pedophilia? And what do you think about incest and bestiality then? And I was like, I'm sorry, no, like, obviously no. Um, and it was really hard. They, they kind of said something of like, we trusted you with kids and now we know like your sexual ethics are so loose and they were kind of like, okay, well, you know, I guess you can't be a part of like staff anymore. Um, of course, like what's so cringe about the whole thing is I, I just am not someone to like make a big scene about these types of things. And so they, they're like, we love you. Like, we just love you so much. And, and they even went so far as to say like, we're proud of you. You're a social justice warrior, which like, by the way, there are people that are that. Um, I'm working to become like more inclusive and social justice oriented, but I am not a social justice warrior. warrior. And for them to like say that, it just shows who they are. For them to be like, wow. I remember like my sort of leader at the time, she was like, 
I think you're just called to be an advocate. And I'm like, what the hell are you saying? And you're not. And like the church isn't. And so it was really painful, but they were like, yeah, we're like, you're going to go on to do bigger and better things. Like what? As they're firing me. I think, um, you know, that conversation was really hard. That day was really hard, but it was like the week or so that followed. The exit was horrible. And especially during a pandemic, I was like basically completely alone, not worshiping with people anymore, which did bring me joy. And then also had just all of these levels of leadership just stripped away from me. Um, so it was like, literally, who am I? Like, what what am I doing here? Um, I will say, though, the moment that they fired me, that they said, like, okay, yeah, we don't think you should be on our staff. I felt like I could breathe again. We're like, all of COVID, I had felt this like tightness in my chest. And like, I I just felt like I was so terrified of failure and terrified of carrying all this that the moment and like terrified of being, of having to be on this side of the line when I don't agree with their sexual ethics. Um, and the moment they like, let me go, I did feel this like freedom. I just want to say, which is going to sound so confusing after this whole podcast, but like, Beautiful things happen in that community, and it also was highly traumatic for me. I found God in a new way during those years, and I also left completely heartbroken. Like these truths coexist together. Um, for some re- people, they feel complete belonging and acceptance, which is like such a craving of the human heart. And for some people, they feel outright rejection and pain. Both of these things are true. So I think um, for someone within the community, hearing my reflections might be like, that makes no sense because I'm so happy and I'm on cloud nine and I'm growing spiritually. And like, I just want to affirm like that can be your truth. So these conversations are really nuanced. Anything with like spiritual context is really nuanced. I haven't left my faith. I still identify as a Christian yeah, it's it's really complex. Um, it's really painful, but I hope that um, sharing this story is helpful for somebody out there. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, my Instagram is bells.nyc, B-E-L-L-E-S.nyc. And my Twitter, where I talk a little bit about deconstructing on Twitter, is I underscore Macaulay, M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y. Thank you for listening to The Bee Podcast with your host, Sage Lally. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Your story has the power to help others if you step out in boldness and have the bravery to tell it. There are people here who will listen. You just have to speak. That's all for now, friends. See you next time. Bye.